You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 183. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, I feel like I don't have to say welcome at the beginning anymore because I think the the, the intro, the, uh, the the woman who comes on for the intro already says welcome. So I don't think that's necessary. Well, you, you can never make our, our listeners, viewers, <laughs> listeners feel too welcome, can you? <laughs> yeah, I guess don't you're right. Don't answer that. <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Okay, I promise the studio will have one new thing every time we do a video. Of course, I got a little frame here from... Uh, Home sense or whatever that is. So there you go. We'll we'll do something a little bit more, um, a little bit more dramatic next time, though. I, I promise you that. Um, <laughs> Classing it up one piece at a time. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about uh, some current events. We're going to talk about uh, the uh, the metaverse and Facebook, and then we are going to talk about the theory of digits because. The metaverse will be made up entirely of digits. So why don't I just go back to basics and talk about um, some of Max's, that's me, my old philosophical musings on on digits. Yes, but, but what kind of digits? Stay tuned to find out. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, this news article we didn't read, but isn't it crazy that Australia is apparently uh, ready to deploy their military to do the COVID lockdowns, and we're still in we're still in the COVID era. All right, you know this is well, yeah, when when you say it like that, it sounds scary and disastrous. And, yeah. and I also did not read the article, so I'm completely unqualified to comment on this, and I will not let that stop me. Okay, uh, but I, yeah, then we'll get into the real stuff. We did we actually did 30 seconds of research on. I, I'd say to, to to very briefly steel man it that maybe maybe it's it's less uh, you know ominous declaration of martial law and it's more kind of like uh, post-hurricane sending out the National Guard to help with disaster relief. Um, un- until proven otherwise, I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on that one, but but Man, we'll see. I don't know. Got to keep an eye on the sneaky Australians. I-, I feel like it's to just, it's to stop people from, it's to like keep people in their homes. Like that would be like, imagine if you had like soldiers outside of your, your home, like in your neighborhood, making sure that no one's going out. That would be kind of scary. Well, everyone was talking in in mid and mid to late 2020 about how like nature was rebounding and plants and animals were were kind of retaking the country. Yeah, did that happen? Uh, I I don't know how true that. I, I I think there were there were some things that did. Say I heard recovery. a little bit more birds, but it but wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't think Australia needs that. I think the wildlife there is dangerous and aggressive enough as it is. <laughs> I how how can you further weaponize you know scorpions and was it like you know, 75% of all poisonous snakes live in Australia or something ridiculous. It, it, it's not a place that needed to be more wild and dangerous. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's what they're deploying the military to combat. Um, I hope so. Have you ever heard of, and this is kind of a meme of the great emu war? I, I have. I, yes. I, I, I've not deeply researched on it, but I, I believe the emus won. Yes. It was uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, I mean, the cartoon version of it, which I prefer, is that Australia deployed its military against the emus because there was a big uh, emu problem. They were overpopulating, and apparently the emus won. Uh, so I love that, uh, I love that description of, of, <laughs> of that war. Um, okay, um, let's, go, let's go on to something that we know about uh, a little bit. Let's talk about Facebook and some of Mark Zuckerberg's statements on the metaverse. Now, first of all, like, what is the metaverse? Uh, this actually comes from a book that uh, you and I read in high school around the same time, yep. like Snow Crash, uh, uh, Neil Stevenson. I'm really surprised that um, this this idea stuck. This was a, a book from 1992. Uh, we wouldn't, we weren't reading it in 1992. We're not that old. I mean, I guess I was alive in 92, but, um, yeah, it, was, but it was late nineties, maybe early 2000s. I think it was early 2000. Um, and uh, basically the idea is that it's a whole other universe that exists digitally, but not like the internet. Like you could actually, uh, you know, you could actually implant your, 
you, you, it's essentially a virtual reality world. You feel like you're there. It's kind of like a massively multiplayer game, except it's kind of like, you know, you meet people there, you hang out. Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't remember the, I haven't read the book recently, but I know that, um, you know, you kind of spawn in like waiting room areas and then you kind of go out into the world and you travel around it. You could build things in it, that sort of thing. Um, so it's sort of a, a digital meeting place, if you will. Um, and it was always, there was always, this is like kind of an exciting chapter when you're like, you're going into the metaverse and you're meeting other people and then you're going back out into the real world. Um, how, how would you describe it? Is that how, is that how you would describe it or? or yeah, I, I think it, it was, it was somewhat inspired by some very early uh, MMO type, type, uh, type games, but it then went on to itself spawn, uh, you know, it, it served as a major inspiration for uh, Second Life, which some of our older listeners might be aware of, which uh, was was kind of it, it didn't revolutionize uh, the, the the space, but it 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 uh, it captured a lot of people's imagination for what could be done in that that kind of virtual worlds with avatars and people interacting. Um, you know, not not just for the purposes of playing a game, but as as being a uh, a, a, a platform or. Or a uh, an interface for for wide spanning interactions. Um, so it, you know it, it it wasn't that you were logging into World of War, of Warcraft. It was that you were logging into uh, a virtual world where you could do pretty much anything. Okay, so right, so it's it's not just it's not a game. It's actually a functional space. Um, so wh- why is Facebook trying to do? Th- I guess the question to ask is why is he talking about this? Is this actually an imminent thing, you know, or, and, and if it's not, since, like, spoiler alert, it's not imminent, like, what, what's their plan to bring this about? And, you know, w- why should we care? I mean, I, in, in part of me says, you know, uh, some of this said, you know, hey, um, Mark Zuckerberg believes that VR, virtual reality, is the next mobile. And the article also points out that Facebook was actually somewhat late to mobile. Uh, they dominate in mobile applications today, but that was with the help of some applica- uh, acquisitions of companies like Instagram and WhatsApp. And also, maybe they copied a little something from uh, Snapchat, uh, just a little, just a little, take a quick look and see and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and, and drag and drop. Um, but I almost wonder if this could be, if this is based on real market data, or if this is some kind of a psychological compensation where um, not just Mark Zuckerberg, but the Facebook executive team is thinking like, well, we want to be early to the next thing. So obviously this is a jump to mobile. And so the next one is obviously the jump to VR because it's kind of like the mobile of mobile. So, um, but I, I, I don't know if it's based on any real data that's available or real kind of, um, I don't, I don't know what the arguments are to support the idea that virtual reality is going to be the next big platform. I mean, maybe it could be a big platform down the road, but I, it's, it's not something that consumers are clamoring for right now. Right. Uh, but, but perhaps they're taking a, if you build it, they will come approach here. Uh, and, and it, it shouldn't be that surprising given the huge investment that they made in, in VR by acquiring Oculus, uh, and the, uh, it's been a while. Disappointing, uh, output of that that acquisition collaboration i mean it's 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 not that it's it's falling completely on its face but it hasn't revolutionized uh the company and and the vr industry in the way that i i think they were kind of hoping uh with that so they if 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 consumers are not clamoring for it then then they will need to make it something that consumers clamor for um but i i think you were definitely right about uh you know maybe overcompensating a little bit wanting to make sure that that they're, they're first actors in the space, even if, if that means that they have to act on a bunch of spaces that never pan out, uh, just so that when, when the next big thing does come along, they've got a, a foot in the door. Um, I, I think there, there may be a little bit uh, uh, anxious that when everyone went to, to, well, not everyone, but when a huge amount of the uh, American workforce went work from home, in 2020, that they didn't have the killer solution to that. You know, hmm. people, people were going to, you know, we, we saw Zoom come kind of from a, right. a, a no name to be, uh, you know, the the 
you know, they, they became the, took, the Xerox of video, video conferencing. He took some digs at Zoom in, in some other statements I saw. You know, I, I, if I could skip ahead here a little bit sure. um, to say, but, you know, it, it said here, like, you know, he told The Verge people shouldn't live through small glowing rectangles. And then, of course, my addendum is it needs to be a large glowing dome instead. Um, but, you know, he said, well, uh, you know, interactions shouldn't be, uh, just a bunch of squares with faces on them. And I actually agree with that. I think that's a horrible way to interact. I'm going Zoom crazy. I don't know about you. But um, but I think part of those, um, you know, part of those digs, part of, part of them like talking shit is probably about, oh my God, like, you know, uh, Zoom had the solution and we didn't. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, Let's talk about those squares and faces and how ridiculous it is. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's a certain amount that they don't particularly care about the metaverse. Uh, it's just a vehicle to make sure that people are spending more time uh, in front of Facebook content that can be you know, advertised to or, or data mined or, or whatever their, their, their future uh, profit model is. They want to make sure that, that it's not a platform owned by somebody else. So, so remember, this reminds me almost of when Facebook tried to come out with their own cryptocurrency called Libra. I don't even know. I, they changed the name of it, didn't they? I don't even remember what it was, what they changed it to. And yeah, I, I think it, it got somewhat uh, disaffiliated from Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there's still deep ties. Oh yeah, now it's called DM. But, but yeah, they, they they wanted to maybe lessen the the public relations linkage there. A it, it still doesn't exist. Um, and well, I knew this was going to happen, you know, I, I think I you mean, may have made an explicit prediction about that on the air. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, because they want a closed system. They want a walled garden for everything. And almost like the government, if there's kind of an open solution that everyone can use and that's, that's free and fair, uh, they're like, well, this isn't helping us. So, uh, they they, they want to have their own. And um, not everything in the world should work like Facebook. In fact, I think even Facebook shouldn't work like Facebook. But that's, <laughs> I'm not going to, look, I'm not going to be more, I'm, I'm not going to, I'll let them have their own space. Um, yeah, well, it, in, in, in the notes, you made a comment about, uh, you know, should should the metaverse be open? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, to, to give some context, the the original metaverse, the, uh, the Neil Stevenson's uh, metaverse, um, it was it was structured in such a way that uh, all the real estate in the metaverse initially belonged to uh, the global multimedia uh, protocol group, uh, which uh, is, does not actually exist. Uh, but in in the in the fictional universe of Snow Crash, uh, it was a subsidiary, a, a part of the Association for Computing Machinery, which is a real nonprofit that exists. It almost sounds like, you know, because this is coming out in the '90s, so there's a different sort of an intellectual soup you're pulling from here. So that almost sounds like a Wikimedia Foundation type um, I, I think type it might be a little bit or maybe more like, like more of an open uh, source Apache or what, something. What is it? Is, is it ICANN that, that mm. handles the allocation of IP addresses? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because in, in, in the way real estate uh, was was uh, broken up in the metaverse, as I as I recall, it was was not unlike a, an IP addressing scheme that, you know, every obviously it's, it's the digital world, so everything was powers of two. I think it was like there were, you know, uh, 256 stops on. So, so the the metaverse was spanned by a single main street that that runs around the the sphere. Yeah, uh, and and it has uh, there's a a monorail that runs along it, and it has 256 stops, each of which is 256 kilometers apart from each other. And so right. each of those That's... there's there's like an express address and then a local port address for those and so that determines like where you log in or log out of the metaverse from uh where those those portals are gotcha i wonder i mean i i'm guessing if if he came up with it today there'd be some kind of a uh uh a blockchain component um to it it almost sounds like it right oh, like I'm sure a, yeah yeah you, you you would have to be able to to prove that you legitimately owned this metaverse real estate right Al although it does sound like there wasn't really any discussion of, of whether the computing power that ran the metaverse was centralized or distributed. That that yeah. wasn't really something that was was in the in the forefront of people's minds at that point. Right, right. And that's a good question. We never really. I I don't know how much it got into how much it worked. Um, so, 
Okay, I, I don't know if there's anything else. Oh, I found this article from the Wall Street Journal about Facebook, just how um, how involved... Be- before we yeah. jump onto that, one one more thing I want to throw out when we, yeah. we were talking about open versus closed. Uh, I, I think a big part of it is going to be them determining exactly what their objective with this this metaverse play is. Um, it, if it's purely that they want to sell more VR hardware, if they want to find a way to to add value to to make their Oculus hardware worthwhile, then I, I would expect it's going to be a proprietary kind of closed source system. Um, right. However... If if their if their move here is that uh, the the platform is going to be a method for getting more eyes on Facebook content, uh, getting people to spend more time in their their environment, uh, I I could very much see a a model where uh, you know maybe the you know Facebook Oculus provides the premium experience for the metaverse, uh, but it is an open enough protocol that uh, you know Samsung and every other designer of of uh, you know, mid to high level hardware can interface with it. Uh, and, and maybe there's some, you know, top tier features that only those who buy Facebook hardware can access, but, but the, the value of eyeballs is greater to them necess- uh, perhaps than the value of hardware sales. So th- there's, hmm. I, I, it, it remains to be seen what they're really trying to do with this space. Cause right now it's all just buzzwords. Uh, yeah. But, cause it's not like it they let you post on Facebook. And, and closed. It's not like they let you post on Facebook from other, Social networks, so right. they're not. I mean, well, and, so they're and not we've on talked Mastodon. about that with yeah, with, with with Mastodon versus something like Twitter, which yeah. you know, you, you there's yeah, it, it, it gets exactly to the uh, the what is the the library versus uh, Odyssey uh, uh, concept that that you talked about yeah. in, a, in a previous episode. Or Odyssey versus YouTube. That there's there's the under well, sorry, not not versus, but just there's like the underlying oh, right, right, right. Uh, infrastructure which anybody can use, and then there's a, a specific kind of a portal that, that you can view it through. Uh, but, right. but that doesn't mean That's that, the that only that, that, uh, that interface can be used to add content. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and the wall street journal article is just about how Facebook, Facebook is not just thinking about what's next in terms of technology and consumer needs, uh, which is probably, you know, what they were thinking, trying to think about, 10, 15 years ago. Now, um, most of what they do is worrying about politics and what the politicians are going to do to them or what they're going to do to the politicians <laughs> or something or other. Um, and so this, uh, this is a Wall Street Journal article. It's a right-leaning article, but it kind of points out that you know Facebook tried to tip the scale during the election to help Biden and it may be working with the administration now on misinformation. That was a whole big thing where, you know, uh, Jen Psaki said, well, we're working with companies like Facebook to identify misinformation. But Facebook is still the biggest vector for uncensored information. And they haven't been able to, uh, they haven't been able to censor at all. They haven't been able to get it all. And so it's, uh, it, it's for, on things like vaccines and, and all that. So it's uh, it's one of the biggest vectors for sharing information, period. And so, you know, this article argues, I don't know, I'm not necessarily taking a position on it, but it's an interesting idea, argues that it's a huge risk for Facebook that the administration or the progressives kind of turn on Facebook, and then you have a situation where both parties want to destroy Facebook. Um, and so, you know, and, and there's been kind of like, all this crazy rhetoric going on where people will say, hey, someone on your platform posted um, something critical of the vaccines. Therefore, you, Facebook, are killing people, you know? And so I, well, well th- that's how people go today. It's, they, it's, it's not always just someone over that's the top. saying those things. It's What's the it? president of the United States that's that's making those comparisons. Oh, was it, was it the president? Okay. <laughs> I think that almost... Um, I thought it was someone more important. Never mind. Okay. Uh, we'll go. We'll go. Um, no, I mean, rhetoric these days is over the top. It has been for at least, I don't know, five, six years. Yeah. It, it, something it, changed in like 2013. If Facebook is not spending uh, serious amounts of money on PR and legal and lobbying uh, yeah. consultants to uh, mitigate this risk, yeah. then then I don't know what they're doing with their billions of dollars. Uh, Cause, I feel cause like this is a real risk, but, but I, I think they're going to weather it. Okay. They're, I feel they're like just going to 
put a lot of effort in. Part of the reason for this over over the top rhetoric that's popular these days is uh, platforms like Facebook. <laughs> You're not wrong. So, <laughs> it, it might all come full circle. On yeah, them. I, I, uh, and, and and there's yeah the the question of, I mean it's 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 not a uh, uh, I mean, yes, it's a partisan thing. But it's not partisan in the sense that only one party has a beef with Facebook. They, oh no! They, they for different reasons, perhaps, but they all want to take it down a notch. And and I I think I, I am. They I am might not agree to how believe to do it. That uh, uh, part of this is uh, there's there's uh, a saying that I'm sure I'm going to butcher, but it's it's something about you know e- either executive power or you know deficit spending and that kind of thing that you you only oppose it until you're in power. Uh, and and then then you you forget that that it was part of your platform to be against it. Um, I, I think uh, politicians are only going to rail against Facebook uh, either until they destroy it or until they per, perhaps more preferably to their their view uh, find a way that they can co-opt it to to uh, serve their purposes. At which point uh, Facebook will be able to do no wrong and and they're a model company again. So. Well, I I, th- I think that part of the Part of the there's kind of an internal contradiction in that statement of like so one of the things they want to do is break up Facebook. One of the things they're talking about doing is breaking up Facebook, um, but they're like, well, we'll break up Facebook because they're not um, they're not getting rid of all the misinformation we want them to get rid of. But then you break it up, and now all of the constituent parts are free to not censor misinformation. So now you have an even harder problem. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's perhaps an argument to be made that a a larger more and I always I want to point out I'm I'm kind of putting putting going in the government point of view just just to say personally I don't want any of this stuff censored. <laughs> but I, let's go because there could be new people on the well, show. Let's let's yeah. let's take as a given for a moment yeah. that that there is uh, harmful misinformation out there and we okay. want to be able to effectively. Uh, remove that information. Let's jump into that point of view. Yes. Uh, so, from that perspective, you could make an argument that a larger, more consolidated, more powerful Facebook is better positioned uh, to do that. And that's that's your classic, uh, you know, the the classic argument that you make when when you're pitching a merger. It's that uh, by our powers combined, uh, we will be more effective and we can save the consumer money. Um, the counter to that would be that uh, by breaking the company up. You uh, create competition, uh, and those competing uh, uh, competing fractions factions uh, are are then able to offer uh, alternatives rather than just doing the same thing better and harder. Uh, they can take a different approach. Uh, that being said, I am highly skeptical that any way they break up Facebook would result in groups that directly compete with each other. Uh, it's much more likely we would it's, see a breakup like, okay, first you got to separate out your, your just Snapchat out? and your Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but it's but just, that's it's not dumb. going to change yeah. any of these dynamics. Because we're talking about Facebook, the the social network, uh, is is where all of the criticism comes and Maybe a little bit on WhatsApp and Instagram. But let's just, let's just talk about Facebook, the social network. Like, you can't break up that Facebook. Like it's not it, it. How do you? What do you say? Okay, yeah, well, not, oh, I'm sorry. You're in a different Facebook. I can't message you now. It's it's like, not like when they broke a, up AT and T. Yeah, uh, and and they had a bunch of different regional uh, phone companies. You, you right. you're not going to get you know Facebook New England and Facebook Southwest. Yeah. You know, br- well, that's up how by they started conferences or something. They started out like that, which is I remember when it was like that. Right. It was. Uh, it was. What was was it? College is it, university. It was, it was never like regionally restricted. You could you could you could see anyone else who was on oh, yeah, Facebook, yeah. but but yeah, the rollout was was very very small groups. No, in yeah, but I, I think there was like more of a like I I remember, and this is I could be wrong about this early on, where the, there was kind of like an out of network section, where and like an in network section. So like you could, I was in the the Yale network, and it was like I could see more. Yeah, you're people. you're right. There there, there yeah. was there was a period when you couldn't just randomly friend anyone. You needed to have like degrees of connection or something. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah, this is reaching like, way back into the the memory of of what like two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. two thousand four. I got on. Uh, so long yeah. ago. I know. I know. It's been all down. <laughs> Sense. Had so much more hair back. <laughs> okay, so um, a few other things that he mentioned before we moved on. He mentioned the idea of working on an infinite office that allows users to create their ideal workspace through VR. 
This is from the BBC article. Uh, I'll quote him. In the future, instead of doing all this over a phone call, you'll be able to sit as a hologram on my couch, or I'll be able to sit as a hologram on your couch, and it'll actually feel like we're in the same place, even if we're in different states or hundreds of miles apart. Uh, he said, I think that's really powerful. Um, okay, but is that imminent? Is that five years? I, I don't I'll, see I'll believe it. it when I see it. Exactly. Uh, I, I think this is one of those things that they could definitely do as a tech demo, but how useful is it really going to be? Um, how would I appear as a hologram on your couch without all sorts of equipment around me. Well, yeah, you would, you would, e either you're going to be wearing the virtual goggles yeah. or there's got to be some sort of projection setup. I mean, it would be cool if there's a room in my house I could just walk into and it's like, and, and if you walk into a room in, in your house, then we're together. But like, it, if it's just, if I have to set up a whole bunch of stuff and then I have to call you at the right time, it just doesn't, it's not as good as it, I don't know. I, I think this technology may have a lot in common with uh, the early concepts for touchscreens. That, okay. that it's a technology that, well, that's, that's good, found then. use, uh, yeah. you know, m mostly on phones and tablets. But the initial idea was something much more like, um, oh gosh, uh, Minority Report. Yeah. Where where that was that was a, a gestures based thing, but uh, people were envisioning large touchscreens that would replace monitors, and so, uh, but but no one is going to spend all day reaching out moving their hand around on the screen because your arm gets fatigued. Uh, and, and it turns out a mouse and keyboard are sometimes more effective for that type of stuff. Right. And, and so, yes, touchscreens are a very important part of our, our everyday technology use, but not in the way that they were being envisioned for the first decade or so of development of the technology. Gotcha. So I, I think we need to be prepared for okay. some dramatic changes in how this VR tech gets used. There, there was one other quote. Maybe it from, could be something like on your phone that you, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, again, it, it's going to take the phone manufacturers many years to integrate something like a, a, a 3d camera, uh, that's any good. So there was, there was one other quote that, that came up when they were talking about the metaverse that, that I wanted to pull out from that, that BBC article. Um, and, and it was, uh, uh, really towards the end of it. And, and, and uh, let's see, here it is. Is uh, it the behavioral data part? Because that one. Uh, it, it, was, it was actually after that. Oh, so okay. It was, uh, tech giants like Facebook defining and colonizing the space while traditional government structures struggle to keep up with the technolo technological change could cause further issues, she added. Um, if, if you couldn't tell already uh, from the language used in that statement, uh, this is definitely an academic talking about it uh, with their <laughs> concerns about the colonization of the metaverse. Um, just to be clear, there are no natives in the metaverse who are being displaced or enslaved, uh, just friendly ones and zeros. Uh, I don't know if you want to use that as a, as a segue there, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that those, in a little bit. Those concerns are, are perhaps uh, uh, being, being viewed through a, a uh, strange light there. Um, granted, if, if, it, if it is an environment that is you know, fully owned by the Facebook corporation, then I have... Other concerns, uh, I, I don't know if I'd use colonization to, uh, to refer to them, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the company store is, is not a great model either. <laughs> That's just the way people or talk company now. Town. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way people, um, it's just the way people think now. Um, so I don't know. I, I, here, here's the, the part with the behavioral data was interesting. It's a little bit of kind of projecting what is now onto what will be then. And so I hope this projection doesn't hold, but they're like, you know, well, you know, is, you know, they, they want the user data to advertise to us. I mean, you know, I was personally involved in, not in Facebook, but in, in, uh, in online advertising based on data. It's nuts. It's the nuttiest industry. Uh, you could, I mean, I don't even know how to describe how nuts it is. Um, but anyway, they're saying, okay, if you're in VR, it's not just going to be about where you click or where you, or what you share. Um, according to this, it's like you know, it's how you stand, uh, you know, where your eyes look, you know, what you're, you're looking at the longest, the so, subtle yeah. ways you physically move I, your body, and all of that is going to be used to advertise to you, and it's a direct route to your subconscious. Uh, that sounds um, pretty nuts. I mean, I hope it, uh, you know. It almost sounds like you seem like a nervous wreck. Maybe here's some drugs to help you. Like, what's it going to do? I mean, eye, eye tracking is already uh, super valuable for that kind of thing, and and yeah, if, if they're doing you know full body motion capture as part of this uh, 
VR, AR experience, then, then that's a whole lot more data that they could potentially be mining for, for useful insights there. Hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, th- think, think if, if Facebook could basically have a, uh, 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 an always active lie detector on every, uh, every interaction that you have on the platform. Okay, that what would it use with what would that use what would it use it for? Well, I I, I think it would be uh, particularly useful to to some some groups, whether they're corporate or uh, or governmental, to know uh, everything that you've said uh, and when you were lying about it, and or or being able to have you know a, a kind of a custom tuned database, so when they want to pull you in for questioning, uh, they they can use all of that data uh, to to improve the performance of uh, their their lie oh. detector system now that sounds really dystopian i was thinking more in terms of ads but uh, well if, yeah. if we can use it to throw you in jail we can use it to sell you things too I mean, yeah yeah uh, that, I mean, that 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 sort of cuts really, both ways yeah, yeah. you don't wait, really there's not, more. You, you, you you said you wanted to block that ad but you're kind of lying you kind of want it you, you want this new couch don't you uh, okay. Uh, would, so, w- would you like to go into private browser mode? We think you want to go into private browser mode. <laughs> We've got some stuff to sell you in there. <laughs> Don't worry. No one will have to know. Only 8 billion people. It's only between you and Facebook. No one has to know. <laughs> okay. So, um, <laughs> that's what's going on in Facebook. Kind of, um, I, I don't think... I think just to wrap this up, I don't think this is something that's going to happen imminently, but I think it's interesting that they're talking they're talking in this direction. They've wanted to go in the VR direction for this long. I think he's trying to um, they're trying to ramp it up a little bit by going from VR to metaverse, trying to make it cooler. Facebook is almost trying to grab onto the next big thing. They're really trying to find it. Uh, they they are also they also have political. Um, issues at the same time. So very interesting predicament that Facebook is in. And I feel like it's very hard to predict how this is going to play out. Yeah. And, and, and particularly to, to see what some of the, uh, and I hope they build something good. Like the, the norms know. of such a platform would become yeah. because, because in, in, uh, in snow crashes metaverse, you know, they, they, they come right out right from, right from the beginning of the, the, the explanation of this concept that, you know, there was all sorts of wacky stuff you would see walking down Main Street. You know, it, it was it wasn't just you know people dressed up as as uh, you know uh, cyberpunk detectives. Uh, you you literally had giant penises walking down the street because when when your avatar can be anything, uh, that's what you're gonna get. I feel and, like that's Twitter. That's <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was he was pretty on the nose with people's online personas even before yeah. that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I'm sure he was on message boards and things like that. And, you know, people were using fake names. So you could probably see, weren't, weren't there people with like numbers in their names uh, in that book? Uh, you know, people yes. Had- yeah, it was, it was like the, the uh, lead speak. Uh, I, I, I don't know if, I, I can't imagine he invented that, but I, I think there was, yeah, was it, was it Day Fivid? Day Fivid, I called him. I, th- I feel like that's not what you're supposed to call him, but it's like D-A-5. I, I think it's supposed I-D- to be just David, but but yeah, there's, there's a five I always called it Day Fivid. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I, I believe was loosely based on Sid Meier, but uh, hmm. I, I, I don't quote me on that. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. So, um... Let's go into digits. Now, why am I interested in digits? I'm interested in computer science, um, the metaverse, the blockchain, um, the phone in your pocket. It's all based on these ones and zeros or, you know, theoretically, it doesn't have to be a binary system. It could be any digital system. It's based on digits. Um, We're talking about people with digits in their names. So um, maybe maybe take a a step back because... Most of this is is based on binary, a, a, a two digit system, right? But, but why? Right. Oh, oh, for uh, for for computers. So actually, I don't really know the answer to that, other than I think it has to do with like it's just easier to make circuits. I I, I, I having not researched this before the episode, I, I believe you're right that it's uh, you know it comes. And from, I think you can make circuits that are zero, that are zeros, ones, and twos, or right. zero, or, ones, and twos, and threes. And I think or, there or, there have or been zero, one, and negative one. Yeah, yeah you, you you can do things like that. But from a a design perspective, uh, even even back in the analog days, uh, 
um, you know, having a basically on and off was a lot easier to design for rather yeah. than having multiple intervening levels that you then had to accurately read. And, and if I remember correctly, I think early on, uh, computers, there, there were some uh, people who tried to design computers with base 10 digits because they're like, well, this is how we count in base 10. So we might as well, you know, put 10 digit numbers right into the hardware. Um, I guess that fell out of favor because um, I guess just binary was just uh, more efficient or or just became the standard, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think... I think you're right that I'm right. Uh, <laughs> so aren't we just all right today? Uh, let's uh, let's just define that as truth then. Um, no, but so for, uh, I'm more interested in like the, the the theoretical underpinning of digits. And ever since like I was in, you know, elementary school, uh, one of the things that, that that blew my mind when I was like ten was that like numbers don't have to be base ten. Uh, I don't know if you remember learning that for the first time. But it's like the, the fact that base 10 is an arbitrary decision is kind of funky. It means the way we think about numbers um, is, um, is, is from a very particular perspective uh, that, um, you know, an alien might not have. Uh, so um, it's kind of interesting to think about, well, what is a digit and what other number systems can be built up from those digits. And I want to talk, and I'll get into the Cora answer I gave, I gave a while back, uh, which was very interesting. So I just want to say the Wikipedia definition of digits is that a digit is a symbol used to represent values in a positional number system. So, uh, what's, so Roman numerals would not be digits because right. they are not purely positional in their representation. Right, right, right. So there are a lot of, there. all of the early number systems were not positional. And a positional number system, you could say, was like a really great innovation because it's so much easier to work with numbers that are like like we have today. Whereas, you know, Roman numerals are just, hey, you want an extra five in there? Throw in a V. You want an extra 50 in there? Throw in an L. Um, and uh, so it's just, it's basically like counting sticks and then crossing off the fifth stick, um, but just doing it, uh, you know, uh, Essentially, that is Roman numerals. That was. It's just yeah, it's, they, they it's, just do it's it more complicated. Advanced version of that. Yeah, yeah it's an advanced version of that. Um, and so it makes it harder to add and really hard to multiply. And um, yeah, so uh, so positional number systems are 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 are, are really useful, uh, but they are depending on what base you're in or what number system you're in. You're, it's going to be easier for some things and harder for other things. So, for example, in base 10, it's really easy to multiply by 10. Um, Makes and, sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's also kind of easy to multiply by 5 because 5 is half of 10. Uh, so, you know, you could also, to, to multiply by 5, you could multiply by 10 and try to half it. And you have all sorts of different options. It's not so easy to multiply by 7. Um and or, or three, even though you know maybe a base six would be a lot easier to multiply by three. Uh, base two binary when you have ones and zeros. Um, the cool thing about that is that uh, if you want to multiply by two, uh, now you're just adding zeros to it uh, instead of multiplying by ten. So certain depending on how you choose your base, uh, you know certain things are easier. And certain things are harder. Now, do, do you have a, a favorite base system? No, but I'm going to talk about a, a novel one at the end that's really complicated, and I don't think anyone will ever use it, but I think it's a really <laughs> cool idea. So hold off to the end for a second. Um, so in terms of favorite, I think... So of the ones that I... Well, well let's talk about the, the interesting ones, first of all. There's base 10. Those are the one, That's the one we use. Binary is not just interesting because it's used by computers, but it's also the it's really the smallest base that you could have. Uh, now, my core answer is about what is base one and what is base zero. So we'll get into that in a second. But binary is something that I think uh, would be more like if you wanted a universal language would be more acceptable than than. Digits yeah, and, and and it's yeah. and it's not purely a computer's thing because uh, you know Morse code is basically a uh, 
I mean, I, I guess you're not doing mathematical operations, but it is right. in essence a binary system. Sure, you're you're, you're representing more complex messages uh, using using uh, you know ones and zeros or or uh, dits and dots, dits yeah. and dots, dots yeah. and dashes, dots and dashes. Yeah. So uh, another one I'll mention is is so base seven. I like in terms of learning about bases because that's the one that gets really different from base 10, but it, it, the numbers have like kind of the same amounts. Of di like if it's a three-digit number in base 10, it'll probably be a three-digit number in base seven, maybe four, uh, but um, it looks totally different. So I, I feel like base seven is an interesting one for, for learning, and, um, and it's really, it's kind of freaky if you've ever played with that, where how you, to multiply by seven, now you add, you add a zero at the end of the number. It's like, why is multiplying by seven so easy? It almost feels like something's wrong here. Um, and another, so people don't mention that one a lot, but I mentioned that one because for some reason, seven being like a prime number and like five is also a prime number, but it's like, it's part of base 10. So we're kind of used to it. So something about basing it off seven uh, is, is it's almost like the weirdest one to use between, between two and 10, uh, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, and so, and so another one to mention is hexadecimal, which yeah, I was going to say that's that's one that I run into a lot and yeah. have failed to develop any sort of intuition for. Okay, so hexadecimal is base sixteen, and so the digits that they use are zero through nine, and then a through f. Now, if you have ever seen color pickers online, that's uh, I think six hexadecimal digits. So I think if you have f f f f f f, that is. Is that black or is that white? It's one of those. And then zero, 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 zero. I think, I think it's white. And I think zero, 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 zero. How many zeros did I say? Six zeros is, is black? Something like that. But anyway, the first two represent the red value, the second two, the green value, and the third two, the, uh, the blue value. What's really great about hexadecimal is that it's still a small number of digits, 16, so it's manageable. You kind of memorize them, uh, and you can kind of easily recognize it. Um, if you're, if you are a, uh, programming professional such as I, uh, you will immediately recognize a hexadecimal number by, uh, by the fact that it only has A through Fs in the, uh, in, in, in the string. Um, and I think, uh, I think other, other people recognize it as well. I think it's very easy to recognize. It, it's, <laughs> it's much trickier to tell, uh, when it only has digits zero through nine. Because it could be a hexadecimal. Yeah, but uh, so that's usually thing, there's some notation that will indicate. That. That's the thing about that's the thing about digits is that um, whether you're in hexadecimal or base two or base seven or base ten, if I have the digit uh, one, because all of those have have a one in it, um, I'm not telling you like, is that one the decimal digit? Is that one the binary digit? Is that one the um, the the decimal digit? Uh, like which one is that? Yeah, like and so, one 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 is a valid number in all those systems, but has very different meaning depending on what your base is. Yeah, no, it has to be it. It, it so I mean, you could use notation, maybe a subscript to 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 denote what what type of digit it is. But uh, usually, the way we do it is, you know, just infer it based on the position, or you know, the like we we say, hey, this is going to be a binary number. So in other words, you have to be told. Uh, what it is, but when you run across, if you're a data scientist, you run across data. Oftentimes, you're not told what it is, <laughs> so uh, so that could happen as well. But in a in a good data system, you should be told what it is, and good like if you're actually trying to use these things to communicate. The other thing about hexadecimal that I didn't mention is it where it interfaces really well with binary because each uh, hexadecimal digit being 16 is four four bits. It's four, four ones and zeros. So um, it's, it's almost a way to compress uh, binary code uh, in a very kind of dependable way. Um, and you have, like, if you want to show eight bits of a byte, it's like two hexadecimal digits. So uh, it's, it's, it's really easy in that regard. Um, okay, so what was the core question? Uh, let's get into that. So the, the core question was... Uh, if binary is base two, and binary is ones and zeros, so it's like, okay, all of, anytime you see a number that's one, zero, 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 you know that's a power of two. Whereas, um, you know, in decimal, it's a power of 10. 
Um, so, um, which, which kind of, uh, is kind of freaky. I, I don't think I'll ever get used to the fact that one zero is two, not 10. Um, but, uh, they asked, okay, what is base one and what is base zero? And then some people said it didn't exist. And then other people said that base one is tick marks, you know, Hey, base one is means that there can only be one symbol. So I'm, I'm, I know a, a system with one symbol. Make, makes sense that, yeah. that you, you can reduce the complexity that way. Yeah, yeah. But I would argue that that's not what base one is if you follow the pattern uh, down from, from base 10. So if you think about it, every time you go down, uh, every time you remove a digit from your base, you... Um, you reduce the number of digits available for each place. Uh, so, um, for example, if I am in base 10, right, and I have a three-digit number, how many different possibilities do I have for a three-digit number? In, in base 10? Yeah. I'm, get, I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, is, is, is this uh, is it 10 factorial? No. That's too many. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just zero, zero, zero to 999. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that makes a thousand, sense. thousand, right. 10 to the third. Uh, and so then you go down to, let's use base three, you know, for a three-digit number. It should be three to the third possibilities, right? Okay. So that yep. would be, um, uh, oh my God, t- 27, right? And then uh, let's say you're using binary and you have, now you have uh, two to the third, Right, so you have um, you have uh, uh, eight possibilities. Yep. I could I could enumerate those eight. There's zero 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 one zero one zero zero one 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 zero zero one zero one 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 zero and one one one. That's all eight. So, representing uh, yeah. zero through seven. Right, right, exactly. Okay, so let's go down to base one. If I have three digits in base one, how many possibilities should I have? So well, if, if base 10... What's was, three to the one? Was or is it one to the third? One to the third, right. One possibility. And so notice, look, if you're base three, you have uh, every, time, every time you go down a number, you remove the, the, top, the top digit. So base one, there's only one digit, and, and that one zero. digit is zero. Exactly, exactly. And so you can have a base one number system. wouldn't be very useful, but... Essentially, it would be something that's always zero. Now, I lied when I said it's not useful. It's actually, you'd actually be surprised that in in type theory, in in programming, this is very useful. To it's a um, it's a uh, it's a type called a unit, and a unit is is a type where there's only one value available. So I know the answer is zero going into it. Now, why would you have unit? Um, you could have unit because uh, well, now it's, I'm going to get complicated, but you could have a system where it's like, hey, um, I want to have a list of something. And um, actually, it's like, you know what? In this possibility, I want a list of strings. Over here, I want a list of colors. And you know what? Over here, I want a list of units. And I know that's going to reduce to uh, basically a list of units is just a count of something. Um, and it, it, it could just be... now. Why would I be doing that? It's just you know, if you have some abstract system that you want to crunch down to something else, it's good for like trying to generalize stuff. If if I if if uh, again, I'm getting into some like abstract type theory here, but sometimes it's very good when you have some when you're trying to generalize ideas in computer science. Oftentimes, when you plug in that unit type, you can then uh, make it something very specific and very simple. Um, so for, here's another example. Um, well, no, this is not a good example. But I was thinking like, so there, there's a concept called a map where I'm mapping some value to some other value. Uh, like let's say I'm mapping, um, uh, you know, uh, people to scores where I'm keeping score in a game, okay. right? Um, and so, you know, maybe their scores are, are, uh, are numbers. You know, you're playing a basketball game. Um, or I could map people to colors. Maybe it's like, you know, what, 
you know, what, what color jersey they're wearing. So I'm mapping people to colors. So then I can say, well, what if I map people to unit? Well, that's something that gives me no information. But maybe there's a situation where you just don't want to put any information there. So, but, so you just put unit, you know. So there's all sorts of different, like, uses and ways of describing things. And I, I, want, I almost want to, um, you know, give it a... Uh, to give it another example, like let's suppose you have uh, you're exploding a three-digit number. Let's say you have uh, 321. You know, we often say you know, you know, when when you teach kids, you know, how to explode that number, it's three hundreds, two tens, and one one. You're gonna have to go through this with your kids in like two years, so you better pay attention. We're getting there. Uh, yeah. Now I, I tried to explain multiplication the other day. Yeah. It didn't go over well. Now when they get older. It's going to be like, okay, this is three times 10 to the two and two times 10 to the one and one times 10 to the zero. You might be like, well, why am I saying 10 to the zero there? Because that's one. It's not useful. It's like, no, it's really useful for completing the pattern. Uh, so anyway, I just went into a whole rant as to why unit is, is, um, is, is valuable. Um, I'd actually argue that there's a case where we kind of do use a, a unit, uh, and that is in time. Uh, so when you're talking about hours and seconds, or, or minute, let's say you're, you're, you're doing times in, in minutes and seconds, right? You're using a positional notation there, but each digit is a different type of digit. So think about it this way. The, uh, the ones digit on the seconds is a regular decimal digit, but the second digit on seconds only goes up to five. It's a base six. It only goes up to five. And so you have base six and you have base 10 and you multiply that together to get 60. You've got 60 seconds. Okay. Then on the minute side, you have uh, the same thing going on. So you have uh, on the second side, you have a base 10 digit uh, to the right of that is a base six digit. Then in the minutes, you have a base 10 digit. To the right of that is a base six digit. Oftentimes, in between the minutes and the seconds, what do you put in there? A colon. Okay. What if that colon is a base one digit? <laughs> Think about it. Uh, it does work, right? I, I don't know if my mind is blown or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference because that's just um, adding a base one digit to your number uh, doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't give you any new information. Uh, maybe it just helps. Uh, it, helps with, uh, it helps with readability. Maybe the commas that we put are, are base <laughs> one digits, you know? So uh, really, the, our decimal notation is... Uh, 10, 10, 1, 10, 10, 1, 10, 10, 1, um, you know, something like that. Um, so, okay, that's crazy. Okay, so now, then the question is, dun, 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 even crazier, base zero. What happens on base zero? I'm going to let you guess. It, it, it's, it's the absence of a number, right? <laughs> I, I mean, how, 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 can we, how can we have less than a, a, a single possible value? Right, so... Uh, in Scala, which is the, the programming language we use at Foursquare, uh, I said there's a type called unit. I think there's also a type called uh, none type. And basically, if you say that a function returns none type, it will never compile because there's no value in that. Uh, th there's no possible value that can return none type. I mean, unless you you know, pass it another function that returns none type that it assumes exists, but then you can't build that one. And, you know, so um, if, if I tell you that I have a number that is base zero, you don't even have the zero digits. You don't have any digits. So you could say it's like a number system, but it's a null number system. There are no possible numbers that uh, can be made through it. Um, if that makes sense. Are you taking notes on this? Is this, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, um, like I said, for, for a base one digit, like you could add that colon, nothing happens. But if I add a single base zero digit, it wipes away the whole thing. It's like multiplying by zero. You just, the whole thing explodes and you can't have a number anymore. So that's really interesting. Dividing by zero. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just multiplying by z. You're multiplying the number of, just like adding a base 10 digit, you multiply your possibilities by 10. When you add a base zero digit, you multiply your possibilities by zero, thus negating all your possibilities. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I think the interesting takeaway is that base one and base zero are real, uh, are real concepts. And actually in theoretical computer science, uh, they, they do matter. And not only that, but it's actually built into programming languages, uh, types like this. Uh, so they're, they, they do have some kind of practical use, uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of fascinating. Um, now, I don't know if, if you ha have any questions before we move on to my idea of a factorial-based number system. I, I was, I was going to ask, have you read uh, Andy Weir's latest novel, uh, Project no. Hail Mary? No. So I, I, I will not give any spoilers, uh, but I will mention that a, uh, I believe it's a base six number system uh, comes into play. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that was actually pretty common. Um, I think those have been done in the ancient world, the six, 360, 12. Those are very divisible numbers. So um, those, are, those are often used. Uh, it, it, I want, I, sometimes I wonder if there could be like a measure of divisibility, uh, some kind of a objective measure, not just like how many factors something has, but like, why is 12 more useful than nine say, cause nine has two threes, you know, but and, you know, you kind of have a trade off because 12 has more digits. Is there some like objective way to measure like how much more useful 12 is than say 14, um, I'd, I'd be interested. This, this in is getting dangerously close to a, uh, a defense of the, the customary unit system uh, and, and why it is uh, superior to, to metric. Well, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. You know, that's not my, that wasn't my, uh, that <laughs> wasn't your intent. My, that wasn't my, wasn't my intent. Um, it, it certainly is a good reason for having, uh, it's 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 probably why the customary system is has that divisibility. Be, but I think they also pre, found in a pre-digital world, yeah, uh, operating where where things could be divided into fractions was m perhaps more useful yeah. than uh, breaking things into into units of ten. Yeah, yeah, um, and then but then there's a lot of use to standardize by ten as well. So um, I'm not going to get into that whole debate. I sometimes I like having both systems because you could then compare and contrast and think about things differently, but that's a whole other thing. I posted about that once on Twitter. Everyone got mad at me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, um, all right. So here's my idea for a factorial based number system. Okay. So, um, imagine this number system, the, the, the ones digit is base one. So it's always zero. The next digit over is base two. The next digit over is base three. The next digit over is base four, so on and so forth. At some point, you run out of digits, but let's say we go A through Z. So let's say you can't make it more than um, uh, 36 digits uh, into but it. There are other letters in other alphabets. You, you could stretch it. Sure, sure. We could stretch it, but let's, you know, let's, uh, we'll, we'll let's imagine. 36. Let's keep it. Well, let's keep it way smaller than that for now. So first of all, what's really interesting, if you take a certain, uh, you know, a certain subsection of those digits, uh, let's say like the first four, uh, you know, you have a, a, a unit digit, a binary digit, uh, a, a twos digit, and a threes digit. Uh, how many possibilities is that? If you multiply them together, that's three factorial, one times two times three. Now, if you look at the numbers that are like one, zero, 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 whereas, you know, in binary, there are factors of two in, 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 in decimal, they're factors of 10. In this system, those are actually factorials. Hmm. So, uh, you know, every factorial would be, like seven factorial would be one, zero, 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 et cetera. Um, and so if you wanted to up the factorial on that, all you would have to do is add a zero, which I imagine that in terms of like combinatorial computation there's got to be some use for that I, I, I was gonna say what what's what's the 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 discipline where where that that could be particularly useful and and I, I was thinking you know pr probability and yeah but but I couldn't 
say exactly where within that this this would be particularly well, well it would be nice like if you have uh, five items you know five factorial is the number of permutation of those items now if you one way to represent the permutations is to just have each of those five items represent a digit right and then just you know write those digits in whatever order that permutation is but another way to um to represent that permutation is to say okay line up those five items uh then Let's say, okay, I'm going to take the fourth one. I have a four. And now there are four left. I'm going to take the, uh, the, the zeroth one. I'm going to add a zero. Um, okay. Now I'm going to, uh, now I'm, there are three left. I will take the, the second one and so on and so forth. And you can, uh, you can build up a number that way. And that would be one of those binary digits. And then they become addable. Um, they become, you know, there's a certain sequence to them. And so I feel like that's sort of a different way to explore permutations of items that has not been done recently. And so that's just an idea. I haven't written a paper on it. I haven't looked for it in the literature, uh, but I'm sure it's there. Maybe it's not there. Maybe I should. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should write it. But uh, I don't know. I, I, it's it's vaguely reminiscent of uh, of changing coordinate systems or or. Uh, it, it not necessarily changing coordinate systems, but changing. Um, uh, geometries, you know, go, going from from Cartesian to uh, to uh, I'm blanking. No, on, so on, you, on Euclidean the other, to uh, non-Euclidean. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. You, you, Euclidean yeah. and non-Euclidean spaces, uh, and and that you you can apply the same same operations, but it has completely different results. Right, right. And then you know, I I think there's a broader question that I would ask, like, what is a digit? So. Like we often think of digits as okay, there's a finite number of them. I think you still have to have a finite number of them. I think that's a, that's got to be a general rule because otherwise they're not usable. Um, okay, so there are a finite number of them. We feel like they should have a certain order. Is that necessary? Could you build a digit system where maybe the digits don't have an order, or maybe they have like a, a pre-order where? Maybe there's there's do I I don't know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate but there's all sorts of uh, you know different takes on digits that I could see could could be used to build up really interesting data structures in computer science and mathematics I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna attempt to do that <laughs> in the uh, in the format of a radio show today although I feel like I want to go up to this whiteboard that I have in the room. And, uh, you know, do some, I feel like I, I got to get a, one of, one of those detachable microphones to get, to get the sound looks good. I don't know if I could, uh, yeah, or I could just hold this and do some whiteboarding up there. That wouldn't be part of the local maximum. That would be just another extra video I put out. So we'll, we'll, we'll get you doing a whiteboard session soon. Don't I worry. hope so. I hope so. All right. Um, any last thoughts on today before we wrap up? Well, I, I asked, uh, previously if you had a, a, a favorite base, but do, do you have a favorite digit? Ooh, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, it's, it's my favorite number. I, I am a fan of the number four. Um, and I think it's because it's like, you know, four is the only digit that is like, you know, well, I guess this is, this puts two in the equation, but two plus two equals two times two equals two to the power of two. It's like, um, it's like almost every, uh, and 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 then if you take like Ackerman functions of two, which is beyond power, it still it still goes to four. Uh, I, there's something about four where like the symmetry of it uh, really appeals to me. I like other numbers too, but. Uh, Four, I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm, four is just my go-to. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that gets into, like, numerology, some weird stuff. I don't know if that means I have some psychological issues. Uh, but, but four is my number. I don't, do you have a, a favorite one? Well, be, 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 before we go there, uh, I, I, I have to ask, and, and yeah. I have no idea what this answer is going to tell me one way or <laughs> okay, the other. Okay, okay. Uh, but when you write a four, does your four, is the top of your four... A U shape or a triangle shape? A U, U shape. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I still have no idea what I've learned from from your answer there. But, but that doesn't but really. That doesn't it, really. It has no impact on the mathematical uh, yeah. properties of the number. It's it's completely a uh, 
you know, a, a typography, uh, you know, a, a yeah, no, question. I, I can imagine that for some people, like that, that's the reason they like the four is how it's typed. The, the aesthetic. Yeah. I don't think, I, I think I could well, write I, I it think, as a triangle and I, think I would a lot still, of people like yeah. eight and infinity for that, that it's, yeah. it's an aesthetically pleasing, hmm. uh, uh, symbol. I could see it. Well, you know, people have, have realized, uh, you know, the ancients have realized that different numbers it's not just a never-ending sequence and they all look the same. Each number has kind of, a, especially the small numbers, have kind of a different personality because there are very different ways that they can be broken down and um, very and systems kind of, you know, there are a lot of systems that break into two and a different type of system might break into three and four. And so um, there's there are qualitative differences um, as these numbers appear in nature. Uh, based on their mathematical properties, so that could be a whole other area uh, of exploration to to talk about because I don't even I don't even know where to begin it with that, but um, de- definitely something people are interested in. Well, it, it just reminded me that I, I'm currently reading another uh, Neil Stevenson book. So we we mentioned the Metaverse and Snow Crash okay. earlier, uh, which which has uh, several mathematical proofs sprinkled in there. You know, just just because he needed to fill up the footnotes or something. Uh, <laughs> so I I, I per, perhaps I will report back uh, in in several months when I finish reading it. Uh, what 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 I've learned uh, about. Uh, mathematics and natural philosophy uh, on that adventure. All right, perfect. Maybe I'll interview that for, the, for another episode. Um, all right, so that about wraps it up today. I think we had a good show today. We didn't even have to, we didn't even fall asleep. It's already one in the morning, one <laughs> thirty in the morning. So perfect. All right, these are the best shows, the one that we do in one in the morning. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, lots of great, I, I have, we have a lot of great topics lined up. I don't have a lot of guests. So if anyone has some ideas, get me some guests, but I'm, I'm finding some new ones. Uh, yeah, right. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening and you want to come in and talk <laughs> about the metaverse, open invitation. Oh, yes. You know, that would be a good thing because I don't want to just complain about Facebook with him. I would <laughs> absolutely talk about the metaverse. All right. So, so that, that, that's a, that's a positive note to end on. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show to support the local maximum. Sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.